As school gets underway, students are sorting out teachers, and teachers are sorting out students. Which students need to sit in the front row? Which students will most likely end up in detention? Which students are never going to be a problem, but have to be called on to be brought out? And the students are sorting out their teachers as in who gives the most homework or the least number of A's or who stays on topic and explains content well and who can be drawn off topic most easily and spend the rest of the day talking about what's in the news. Mischievous children try to do that. Jesus was a tough teacher. He wasn't picky about those he chose to be his students, fishermen, a tax collector, a political extremist, but he was demanding of his students. He asked that they leave everything behind to follow him, and they did so eagerly. Sometimes his lessons were very straightforward. This is how you pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And 2,000 years later, this is still how we pray. But most of the time, Jesus taught in short story puzzles called parables that were intended to be shocking they were not so much to understand, but as to help understand perplexing concepts like the kingdom of God or how an enemy can be a good neighbor. We are still trying to understand the parables, and they are still making us think and wonder and be shocked. As a teacher, Jesus could be calm and deliberate. When he was sparring with the teachers in the temple, he kept his center. And he could be quite impatient and even angry with his students. The first time that Jesus was talking about his death and teaching his disciples, Peter became angry, told Jesus it wasn't so, and Jesus called him Satan. Nobody wants to be called the Antichrist by your teacher. Jesus was a tough teacher because the stakes were high. He was teaching how to live. The way to have a good life, even a great life. For God wants all people to have great lives. That's why God became Jesus, so that all people can have really great lives. One of the consequences of being a tough teacher is that sometimes students are afraid to ask questions, especially <laughs> if you've already been yelled at by your teacher. Jesus has been saying over and over again that no one is too sinful or too sick to be healed. No one is too powerful or prestigious not to need healing. 
He has demonstrated God's grace by touching the untouchables, the bleeding women. He has loved the unlovable, the demon-possessed children. He has welcomed those nobody wants to welcome. He has served those who didn't deserve it. Foreign women of an enemy nation served those who didn't deserve it. And Jesus is trying to tell them that what they are doing is dangerous. And he will be killed and rise again. And of course they do not understand what he is saying. Who could? But they are afraid to ask. Nobody wants to get called Satan. And so they try and figure it out. And if we could walk with them a little bit on their way, we could imagine something of how that conversation would have gone. Will you ask him? I'm not going to ask him. Get Peter to ask him. I'm not going to ask him the last time he called me Satan. Well, what do you think he meant? Well, he's the chosen one. He's God's Messiah. We know that. God anointed him king. He's king. He's the king who all the prophets have talked about who is to come and make the nation great again. He will be a king like David, a great leader. And Israel will be a world of power again. No more getting pushed around by other nations. He will make the nation great. It will be great. We will be strong and powerful and wealthy. God's chosen one can't be killed. And we are going to go to Jerusalem and we are going to march through the gates and he is going to do one of those miracles like feeding the 5,000 and they're going to make him king. They're going to beg him to be king. They did that once before when he fed all the people, but he wouldn't be king. But this time, he's going to be up there on the throne where Herod is, and we are going to be up there with him. It's going to be really fantastic. We're going to be great. We've followed him all this way. James and John say, I was on the mountaintop with him. You weren't there, but I was. I'm even better than you. And while they are scrambling up the ladder of greatness all the way to the top, Jesus takes the ladder and shakes it and turns it upside down. If you really want to be great, says Jesus, don't climb up, bend down. In fact, just get off the ladder. Sit down on the ground. Open your arms. And instead of up on a throne, the disciples find themselves down on a dirt floor sharing their bread with hungry children. Be great. Welcome the least. Serve the last. 
love the lowest of the low. Be great in compassion. Be great in listening to voices that don't get heard. Be great in loving. Be great in generosity. Be great in welcoming all. Yesterday I was listening to a show called It's Been a Minute with Sam Sanders. And he was interviewing this actress, Niecy Nash, who played Richie Jean Jackson in the film Selma. And she was preaching. And I loved what she said. She said about her approach to her work, she said, my job is to do what I do. As an actor, I learn the lines, I stand where they tell me to stand, and I make it believable. But my who is to be of service. I've never gotten a job and not gotten someone else a job too. She says when she takes a job, she says, Lord, this is my job, what's my assignment? Who and how am I to serve in this place? And she looks around to find the people who she can help. God has blessed her, and she looks for the least and the lowest to find how they can be helped. And so this film that she's working on needs some music. And she knows a musician whose music is fabulous, but they've never had their music in a production. She introduces that person. They have to eat on set. She finds the local neighborhood place that serves just the people and introduces them. Who can she find to welcome? The people who sweep the sets or carry the coffee? Who hasn't yet found a welcome? Greatness is not being better than someone, but being with. It's not about getting more, but how much you can give. It's not about being better than the rest or above the rest, but being in solidarity with the least. When we're up on the throne, we hear certain voices. Voices of the rich and the wealthy and the powerful, the, the voices of the corporations, the voices of the Fortune 500s, the voices of the leaders of nations and industry. But when we're down on the floor with the hungry children, we hear the voices that rarely rise to the top. The hungry, the cries for help, the voices that other people do not want to hear, the voices that challenge the power structure, the voices that have been silenced. 
when we are great, we welcome the voices and the stories that those at the top do not want to hear. Being great means sharing someone else's pain. It means being vulnerable. It means being humble, compassionate. These are what makes for greatness. Now, I know that we all know this. And it's good to be reminded. And most of us would gladly welcome the poor and the hungry into our homes. But if we are really going to hear what Jesus says to us today, Jesus would not allow me to finish this sermon without taking us one step further and think about welcoming those who are the least welcome in our circle of friends. Whose voices do we least want to hear? Who are the least respected? Can you welcome that person and at least listen? Not agree? But can you welcome them? To hear a story? I think that that is what Jesus is challenging us to do. And I think that is the radical grace that we are called to. That is the radical hospitality. Jesus asks of us, how big is God's heart? How big will we let it be? God is great. Welcoming the littlest and the lowest and the least is the way to greatness. It is the way of love. It is Jesus' way. And it is the way of life. Amen.